This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the July 12th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. As fantasy drafters, folks, we love efficiency. We love players who produce when they're called upon. And today we welcome someone to the mailbag who is known for producing voluminous, but accurate content, not just content quantity, but highly accurate quality. We have Pat Fitzmaurice, who is the host of the Fitz on Fantasy podcast and an outstanding contributor to the footballgirl.com. Pat is always one of the most accurate rankers on the fantasypros.com accuracy rankings. In 2017, he was second overall in weekly accuracy. And last season, he was first among all rankers in weekly running back accuracy. If you are not following Pat on Twitter, you are simply doing it wrong. He is at Fitz underscore FF. An honor to have the great Pat Fitzmaurice on the mailbag today. Pat, what's good, my man? Oh, Mike, I'm so flattered by that introduction. But uh, what's good is summer. Got to enjoy it while you can here in the upper Midwest. You get four to five months of winter and then, you know, maybe a a month and a half, two months of quote unquote spring, which is really just winter's after party up here. And uh, so, yeah, you know, we got to make the most of these three months and uh, grill sausages and drink margaritas and make double bogeys and uh, do all that good summer stuff. So we're trying to do that. But it's also really good to be on this show with you. And, uh, you know, Jeremy did a great job of hosting this show for so long. But I think you are the perfect replacement because you are very easygoing and affable and likable and smooth, just like he was. So, uh, you know, I think you are already doing a great job and will continue to do so. Well, Pat, I appreciate it. I'm just going to try to steal your accuracy secrets. That's what I want to know because <laughs> it is it is amazing. I remember when I first got to know you, I saw your name. I'm like, who's this guy? Man, every week he's killing it on the accuracy rankings, but just a tremendous job. I mean, you have that sort of spidey sense, I guess, for knowing who to start and who to put up and down. It, it must be a lot of fun doing that every week. Oh, thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's worked out. Some of those times. So there, there was a year when I was leading late and just bombed in the final couple of weeks and, and crashed out of the top five. Um, but yeah, and then of course in my own leagues, you know, I, I can't always make the right call and always seem to make the wrong call in a critical time. So, you know, it's it, hopefully I'm helping a few people, helping more people than I hurt because I know I definitely steer some people the wrong way with their, uh, Sunday morning Twitter questions at time, but um, it, it's always fun to be part of that contest. The Fantasy Pros guys are, are cool for putting that on and, and giving us this rankings engine to make things easier. I mean, God, I used to type manual lists back when I was doing this in like 2005 or whatever, 2006, typing out the names in a list every week. So uh, it, it's nice to have the ability to, to do it in a little bit more efficient manner. Now, clearly, you're a huge Game of Thrones fan. You you have – is it Braun? Am I saying that right? You have Braun as your Twitter pick. How long have you been a fan and have you really seen every single episode? Yeah, it is. It's Sir Braun the Brave or uh, Sir Braun of the Blackwater. Yeah, I have seen every episode, but it's funny because 
I missed the first season and I'm seeing everyone talk about it on Twitter and how it's this great show. I'm like, oh my God, what am I missing? So we've got DirecTV and HBO on the eve of season two gives DirecTV subscribers a, a free weekend of each HBO and they run a season one marathon. So I tape all that and just binge watch season one and then watch the season two premiere. But then it goes dark and I don't watch season two. And everyone's talking about it on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm missing this. And then I binge season two and watch the season three premiere. And then I'm like, OK, we got to get HBO. Talk my wife into it, because I think at the time our kids were like six and five or seven and six. And, you know, we're not going out to dinner, going out very much. We can justify the expense on HBO. And I, I managed to talk her into it. And, uh, you know, we still have HBO to this day. But it was a great show. I know people weren't entirely pleased with the last couple of seasons, but uh, my boy Braun had a good ending, and that's all I was hoping for. You know what's funny is I have not ever watched Game of Thrones. The reason is I know if I watch it, I'm going to be in, and I just can't allow myself to get in. I need to parse my TV watching. We got football season coming up. I had college basketball. So really, I, I know it's so good. I just I can't get a taste pack because if I do, I'm not going to stop watching. Well, they always seem to replay like marathons in between, like right around the time Christmas and New Year's that week. So save yourself for it, Mike, and then just, you know, let yourself go crazy when everyone's got that downtime at the end of the football season. You'll I'm, I'm almost jealous of you in a way that you haven't seen this yet because you don't know some of the uh, delights you have in front of you. So when I DM you and I curse you out, you'll understand, Pat. It's coming. I'm telling you <laughs> Absolutely. Right now. Absolutely. Well, we got to start with Scott Fishbowl, right? Scott Fishbowl 9 is underway. It opened Monday morning, 11 a.m. here on the East Coast. You drafted at the sixth overall spot. I'm at the fourth overall spot in my league. So where's your draft currently? How's your team looking so far? Give us a rundown here of where you're at with Scott Fishbowl. All right, so I just made my seventh round pick, and uh, everyone has been tweeting for the last uh, 36 hours about how much they love their teams, and I may be like the one guy out of the 1,200 who doesn't love his team right now. Like, I've got some regrets, I think. I don't know. Um, I'm okay with it. Like, I can talk myself into it, but, you know, at six, I, I was kind of hell-bent on not starting with a tight end. I was really hoping someone was going to take the Travis Kelsey dilemma out of my hands. And of course, no one did. And it was a choice between Travis Kelsey and Melvin Gordon. And uh, like, I know a lot of people who would have loved to get Kelsey at 106. And, um, you know, I've, I've second guessed that that one already. Uh, I've second guessed taking Deshaun Watson in the second round. I just wanted that Konami code quarterback and a guy with maybe QB one overall upside there. But, um, you know, that very easily could have been Odell or Juju. Um, you know, and then I, I, I know Sean Siegel, you know, likes maybe taking that one bell cow running back in the first round and then kind of thinks that running backs are poor investments in rounds two through five. But I kind of fell into that trap with Marlon Mack and Sony Michelle who else finally hit on a couple of wide receivers with Galladay and Allen Robinson in the fifth and sixth, and just finally took a tight end with David Njoku in the seventh. Um, I guess if I talk myself into it, I could say that, you know, I've got the lead running backs and maybe the three best AFC teams, teams that are going to have a lot of favorable game scripts, a couple of um, alpha wide receivers at a pretty good price, one of the top two or three quarterbacks, a really good athletic young tight ends. But um, yeah, I mean, I, if I could have a, a mulligan, I'd probably maybe go in a different direction with a couple of these picks. How about you, man? How's it gone for you? As we speak here, Pat, I am actually on the clock, which is really hilarious. I'm in round six and I'm heavily debating because I only have one running back at this point. I started with Kamara and then after that, I just ended up, you know, the draft takes you in certain directions. So after that, I'm sitting here trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do. I ended up going with Juju Smith-Schuster, 
then Amari Cooper. But then after that, last year when I did this, Pat, I ended up with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tyrod Taylor as my quarterback. So I pulled the trigger early because I just, it's recency bias is what it is. And I have Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, but now I am sitting on the clock. My only running back is Alvin Kamara. And I got to tell you, man, I think I'm going wide receiver again. We got Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin. It's going to be a tough call, but I, I, I just feel my running backs are not great. But it's it's hard when you see those values there that to to not pull the trigger. Yeah, uh, like the I'm kind of surprised at how some of the running back value has lasted in in my drafts, and which you know makes me further regret maybe going for Marlon Mack and Sony Michelle when I did. Um, and I love your start, dude. I mean, it, well, first of all, it's you started with three of my guys from last year in the SFB. I, I had all of Kamara, Juju, and and Cooper, and I'm like. I mean, Juju, I just worship the ground that guy walks on, man. That kid is the truth. And uh, I've been a team Amari guy since, you know, way back when the uh, Amari Crabtree Wars on Twitter. I was always team Amari. So, um, you know, and and to get the two, I like how you got the uh, Konami Code quarterbacks, man. It was a little early, though. I think the Kyle and Murray pick was too early. I, I pulled the trigger. Like you, you got Marlon Mack, Sony Michelle. I mean, you got you got a good bunch of guys there in the backfield. It's it's Alvin Kamara bust for me. Well, I mean, it's it's ama- You only got to start two every week, right? It's amazing what you can sometimes pull out. Uh, you know that there's just so much. It's such a volatile position that uh, they're gonna going to be going in the 16th, 17th round who turn into huge contributors for people at running back. Listen, you do a, a ton of great fantasy analysis, and you wrote an article in late June for the thefootballgirl.com on the Washington Redskins. In fact, it's titled The 2019 Washington Redskins Buying Guide, which I think is jumbo shrimp, to be honest with you. I, clearly, <laughs> Pat, not easy to write. It's a team that's off the radar for most of the fantasy drafters. They have those ambiguous roles at every single skill position. Uh, start with running back. I mean, is it Darius Geis? Is it Peterson? Is it Chris Thompson? How do you see the touches and the subsequent fantasy value breaking down for Washington? Because honestly, there's value on every team. You just got to know where to look. Yeah, so I guess Thompson's the easy one to peg, right? Like he's the third down back until he breaks or pulls something. And, uh, you know, it's all about how they divide the early round work between Geis and Peterson. And, you know, I... I love Geis coming out of college. I mean, he was so terrific at LSU, but, um, you know, he's injures himself, misses his rookie year. I mean, just such a a tough start to his career. And now it's this awkward situation where you've got this, uh, you know, legendary veteran and, um, how do the, the Redskins do it? I mean, Peterson, was surprisingly effective for them last year. And, uh, you know, I could maybe envision a little bit of veteran deference, I guess, to Peterson. And, you know, maybe they try to, um, ease Geis in a little bit and not give him, you know, 240, 250 carries. I don't think they want to put that sort of workload on him after the injury. So even at what's, a reasonable-ish RB, I don't know what Geis is going for these days, what his ADP is like, RB mid-20s to late-20s. I mean, I just, I feel like that's still a little bit high. And, um, you know, I mean, Peterson could actually be like a sneaky, a sneaky value pick, especially in like standard formats or the Scott Fishbowl where running backs, um, you know, kind of the old school running backs who don't necessarily do a lot in the passing game can still be useful. So um, just kind of a messy situation and, and especially messy if, you know, the, the skins don't settle this impasse with um, Trent um, Williams at left tackle. You know, I mean, it's it could be a pretty good offensive line, but if Trent Williams doesn't play, yeah, not so much with Eric, Eric Flowers at left tackle. Geis was the hot commodity. You know, he dropped a little bit in the draft. And then we saw, you know, it's always dangerous, right? You see on social media these videos of him catching passes and practice, taking it to the house. 
and then he gets hurt. I feel like it can go one way or another. He could come on the scene here and explode. And everyone who remembers what happened last year before he got hurt, those little snippets can be rewarded. Or like you said, this could just be a a running back by committee and really hurt everyone's value. Right. And it would be cool if if guys had that sort of instant impact. Um, You know, and maybe it could happen, although I think he's going to be swimming upstream a little bit with the Washington passing game looking kind of sickly. So it would be nice. I mean, maybe they could sort of force Washington's hand with Peterson the way it sort of happened in New Orleans when I think they realized that they had to, they had to get Kamara on the field back when they had Peterson and Ingram and Kamara. So like, you know, Peterson was, I remember him being so surprised in that opener that year that he, didn't play very much. And, um, you know, it was just, I, I think the Saints knew what they had with Camara. Maybe it'll be that way with Geis. I'm kind of not betting on that, but, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of messy right now. And I, I would really, Geis is just kind of a guy I'm drafting around. Like, I, I hope the kid works out. And, uh, you know, I'd love for him to be on some of my future teams, but I don't think I'm going to get him anywhere this year. I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it does support the pod. That's at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Another way you can support the pod here is through patreon.com. It's back for a second season. It's better than ever. Our patronships start at just $6 per month. Exclusive access to our Rotoviz radio Slack channel channels for patrons only we can jump in and talk to all the writers and podcast hosts whenever you want i've really enjoyed it so far it's a great way to interact with our listeners patrons get first crack at our road of his listener league which is about to start of course and those higher end tiers of nine dollars per month Great deal. You get some great Rotoviz merch as well. So become a Rotoviz Radio patron today and join the exclusive community at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. Always a nice way to help out the industry leading content and the shows that we do here for free each week on the network. And don't forget to rate us and review us on Rotoviz Radio on iTunes. Any questions, of course, you want to answer on the show, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com and we will get those answered for you. Pat, if you don't think the Redskins are going to be good, and most of us do not, that means that they're going to be chasing points, which means there is also fantasy value at the wide receiver position. Allen Robinson made a killing of this back in 2015 when he had the 80 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 14 TDs on the illustrious 5-11 and Jaguars team. So while no one here in Washington may have A-Rob's ability, who do you think is the best wide receiver value for redraft fantasy owners? I think Trey Quinn would be the only guy I'd be looking at here. Um, first, I think it's going to be kind of hard for the Washington quarterbacks to float value with any of these wide receivers. I like Haskins. I really do. I mean, he was dynamite last year at Ohio State. But, you know, rookie quarterback, whether he's thrown into the fire in week one or not, I think it's going to be kind of a, a the usual rookie learning curve for him. I don't know if he has the sort of exceptional talents to um, just make a big splash right away. I think they're going to be mistakes. I think they're going to be a little run heavy to start off with, but um, you know, maybe he, Trey Quinn could be um, Haskins, Paris Campbell this year, because Paris Campbell was this uh, short adjusted depth of targets, average depth of target, I should say, um, Wide receiver last year. I mean, I, I forget what his A dot was for Ohio State, but it was definitely under six, I think. And, uh, you know, maybe Quinn could be that, that like outlet receiver over the middle and, um, you know, rack up probably a lot of low calorie catches, but maybe Quinn could be like a, a 70 catch, 850 yard guy or something like that. Um, not too much hope for the outside guys. You know, Doxon, I think if it was going to happen for him, it would have happened by now. Richardson, I mean, he's okay, but can't stay healthy. Then they drafted McLaurin and Harmon. Um, You know, I I don't know if they see McLaurin as being sort of a full-time receiver right away because he's a special teams ace. I, I don't know like how, how much he's going to be playing in the offense right away. And, uh, I know a lot of people liked Harmon, but 
you know, the draft capital, it wasn't all that big an expenditure for him. So uh, just no really great bets here other than maybe Quinn in the later rounds. Uh, you know, I like the Trey Quinn selection because if, you, if you're in an offense that's going to struggle, why not pepper the slot guy? Why not pepper the guy who's going to be on the field, who's going to have the safe targets? You're down. You may not want to take deep shots necessarily. I don't know if they have the personnel for that either. So I think Quinn's a safe pick. Yeah, and, and definitely, like, especially in PPR leagues where you get, uh, you know, those, those extra points for, um, maybe not a guy who's going to score a lot of touchdowns or, uh, get you a lot of chunk plays, but a guy who's definitely going to rack up some receptions, I think, in this offense. Your buying guides are great reads. And another one that caught my eye right away was the one for the Houston Texans. And now the issue here, Pat, is no one likes Lamar Miller, right? He's vegetable lasagna, cold pizza, all rolled into one. But he does find a way to be an RB2 or better every year somehow. In PPR, in 2018, he was RB23. Back in 2017, he was RB16. And in 2016, he was the RB20 in PPR formats. Most people want Deontay Foreman to take that job coming off the torn Achilles. But you have your doubts on the Foreman love and think people, I think, should stay the course with Miller. Explain why. I love that you use the food analogies, Mike, uh, vegetable <laughs> lasagna and cold pizza, because in, in that buying guide I wrote for the Texans, I called Lamar Miller a ham sandwich. I mean, he's just... <laughs> I didn't see that. I actually did not see that. <laughs> no one's excited about eating a ham sandwich, but, you know, it's it's fortifying, and, uh, you know, if you're hungry, you'll take a ham sandwich. So, um, and, and that's kind of what Lamar Miller is going to be for a fantasy team. Like, ah, I need a third running back. Here's Lamar Miller in the ninth round. All right, I'll I'll grab him. Um, you know, and it's it, I guess I'm not buying the Deonta Foreman takeover just because we have seen so few running backs do anything for the rest of their careers coming off a torn Achilles. And I know Foreman's still young, and you know the medical reports I guess have been have. They've been good, although he's, you know, they've been very cautious with him. But we saw Mikel Lashore come back from it, and he had like one good. Oh, great one. Like, yep. Yeah, like a, he had like a 700 yard season, nine touchdowns, like the year after he tore his Achilles, but then he was kind of never heard from again after that. Um, Edgar Bennett, ex Packer, had some good years and then tore his Achilles, had one like decent year for the Bears after that, then disappeared. But it's just been a career ender for so guys, so many guys like Arian Foster, Beanie Wells, Lendale White, Vic Ballard. Some real blasts. Wow, you are dropping some great names here, Pat. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So yeah, it's just like historically, it's been such an uphill climb for anyone who's had this injury. And even if Foreman does come back and contribute, like he's never been a pass catcher. He didn't catch passes at Texas. you know, no matter we're going to see the like some sort of rosy report about Foreman's pass catching, but I'm kind of convinced that like a running back could have blocks of ice for hands, and there would still be stories written about how he's coming along as a pass catcher during the summer. So, I think at minimum Miller is going to have this floor where even if Foreman cuts into the early down work and shares it, and you know, I don't think they're going to make Foreman a workhorse after that injury. Maybe they share the early down work, but I think Miller's going to get a lot of passing down work still. So, like, the floor is pretty decent there. And, I mean, Miller's back when everyone was ready to, like, pick at the Miami Dolphins headquarters when they weren't giving Miller enough carries. Like, okay, we found out why. Like, he's not a special back, but he's not terrible either. You know, he's okay. He's got the role or, or you know, it looks like he's a pretty good bet to have that role. Like, I think he's kind of a sneaky, boring value in those middle rounds, like around the the eighth or ninth. Like, he's always there. He always lasts. No one jumps up for him. It's just sometimes you just got to take the boring value. I still have to make my pick, and I'm laughing because right now the running backs around him, it's so true. You have Tariq Cohen, you have Miles Sanders, Lamar Miller, Tevin Coleman, Rashad Penny. I mean, just questions abound. So people may not like Lamar Miller, and he may not be exciting, but like you said, coming off the torn Achilles, we don't know what Foreman's going to give us, and you're looking at a, a running back with a running quarterback like Deshaun Watson in what should be an explosive offense – Listen, guys, sometimes boring is safe. 
Yeah, that's exactly it, man. And, you know, I mean, he's not going to smash. Like, the Texans don't have a very good offensive line. But, like you said, it is a good offense. They're going to be in some favorable game scripts. And, um, you know, I know I know the Texans fans want it to be Foreman. I just don't think it's going to be Foreman. You are a native of Milwaukee. And one of my closest friends works for the Milwaukee Bucks and lives out in Whitefish Bay. I flew out there in March to Wisconsin. I saw a huge Milwaukee Bucks win, and I love the flying peanuts, Pat, at AJ Bombers topped off at night with some cops custard. That's an amazing area. Can you give me some places to eat when I go out to Milwaukee again and, and talk about how great an area that is? Oh, well, Mike, in the small world department, your friend lives in Whitefish Bay. I grew up in Whitefish Bay. That's, that's crazy. Uh, crazy. Yeah, that's my hometown, man. Little, uh, Sleepy little village just a couple miles north of Milwaukee, right on uh, the shore of Lake Michigan. And um, you mentioned AJ Bombers and Cops Custard. Two great burger places, man. Like Cops Custard. Most places, if they're going to give you a big burger, they build vertically and they give you this thing yes. you can't put in your mouth. Yes. Cops Custard is not like that. Their burgers are like McDonald's flats, but they're the size of a wagon wheel. Yes. I mean, <laughs> they're. They are huge burgers. So, uh, yeah, those are two great places to go. But um, I'll tell you what, Mike, the next time you're out there visiting your friend, I'll give you the entire day of places to hang out and eat and drink. OK, so you got to start in uh, Wauwatosa, just west of Milwaukee. And by the way, in, in Wisconsin, we're really fond of our Native American nomenclature for our towns okay. uh so wauwatosa you got to remember that and uh no there's this place called blues egg where you will get the best breakfast you've ever had Ooh, i've been in chicago for a while and there are like a hundred good places in the city for breakfast and i've had breakfast in vegas and all sorts of towns all over the country and i've never had a breakfast as good as blue's egg and i've tried like you know 10 or 12 of the things they have on their menu it's incredible and of course you got to get a bloody mary which in milwaukee style is going to be served with a chaser beer i did that i did do that that's exactly right yes yeah i mean we we in wisconsin we pair our beer with everything including other forms of alcohol so uh then for lunch, you might be a little full, so you'll just want to go and drink beer at the uh, Lakefront Brewery, okay. this east side spot where you know you can get some fantastic microbrews, and uh, you know maybe if you get a little hungry, you can nosh on some deep fried cheese curds. That's a great spot to go. And then uh, you know finally, when you're ready to eat again for dinner, you have to go to a Milwaukee institution on the near south side a Mexican place called Conejitos, where they serve their food on paper plates and you will get the best and ridiculously inexpensive steak tacos. They're so good, along with an outrageously affordable pitcher of margaritas. I'm told they use lime and triple second there, but mostly you just taste the tequila. Yep. And uh, you're going to have to Uber at home after that. But Milwaukee has really turned into a great eating and drinking town. I mean, like in my heyday, I used to pretty much just hang out in the east side because that was like the place to be. But now all over the places there, you know, there's a place in the third ward in Milwaukee, which, you know, back in the 90s when I was living there last, uh, that was the place you would go to dump a dead body. And now it's just (laughs) hopping with restaurants and bars. And um, yeah, man, it's it's turn into a really great town for nightlife. It's fantastic. I mean, folks, you're getting great fantasy advice from one of the most accurate guys on the planet, and he's giving you a whole rundown of how to eat Milwaukee. I mean, this this is this is outstanding. I took notes as you said that, Pat. I, I have notes ready to go. It's fantasy football talk and the Milwaukee Chamber of Commerce all rolled into one. So Outstanding. I got a question here from a Ravens fan. Wrote in, Lamar Jackson started seven games for the Ravens to end the 2018 season. In those games, he did average 79 rushing yards per game, which if you project, which is always dangerous, is 1,270 rushing yards for the season. Robert Griffin rushed for 815 yards and seven TDs in his rookie year in 2012. So what do you project to be a realistic sort of total for Jackson's rushing yards in 2019, provided that he does stay healthy. 
I just had a really interesting conversation about this on my podcast with um, defending Scott Fishbowl champion Sam Lane. And, um, you know, Sam is really optimistic about Lamar Jackson's passing. And, you know, I do think he's going to have a better passing season. I mean, last year they were just sort of doing this. God, it was almost like they were running the Veer offense. It was just all this read option stuff. And, you know, Jackson was throwing maybe like 23, 24 passes a game and running it like 16, 17 times a game. Just kind of not sustainable. And I think it's going to be a little bit more of a conventional offense for them this year. Um, they're going to, he's going to throw it more. And uh, Sam pointed out that Jackson's rookie year passing, I think, was better than Flacco's rookie year passer rating for the Ravens. So there's going to be less running, but last year, Jackson averaged, what, like 4.6 or 4.7 yards a carry. I think with fewer attempts and more just sort of organic uh, running, more scrambling instead of these designed runs, that he's going to get more big plays out of it. And we're going to see that rushing average more up around like 6.5, 7 yards a carry, more up where like Josh Allen was last year. So I think we're going to see more like the the kind of, I don't know, like the, the Josh Allen type offense um, with the Ravens. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about his passing. But for rushing, I think somewhere in the 800 to 900 yard range with, uh, you know, a, a better per carry average and fewer attempts per game. But I, I love that you got him in the SFB. I noticed you expressed more reservations about Kyler than Lamar. Like, I, I think Lamar could just smash this year. There's definite top 10 upside there. I'm buying into that he had a year under his belt. I'm buying into Harbaugh as the coach versus Kingsbury in his first year. I like what I saw. He did improve his completion percentage, Jackson, at Louisville every year, 54, 56, 59. And they surrounded him with weapons, Pat. And secretively, they have one of my favorite late-round tight ends in Mark Andrews. So I think they've designed everything for him to succeed. Like you said, I don't think he can sustain running as much, but I think his efficiency will be higher. Yeah, and he's not going to be a 4,000-yard guy, but he could be a 3,000-yard guy pretty easily. And, I mean, we're talking about this is the best running quarterback I've ever seen in college. I mean, better than Michael Vick. Better than Cordell Stewart's. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just magic in the open field. And hopefully it's more open field and, and not just, you know, this uh, read option stuff in the eight-man boxes. Hey, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and now they've grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup Dynasty Leagues are forming right now starting at $77 and up in standard, superflex, and best ball formats. And for those of you ready for the greatest challenge, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is the main event exactly? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year it's coming at you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort Casino or draft online from the comfort of your home. Find out more about the main event deadline coming up in just a few days on Monday, July 22nd. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. 
Let's do a little fantasy football trick or treat. I'm going to ask if these players are tricking fantasy owners at their current ADP or are they still a treat? Now, we're going to assume one half PPR for all of these questions. So these are sort of lightning rod guys here. My question is trick or treat. First up, running back Devonta Freeman at the running back 17. I'll say treat. I, I think he can still be the same RB one back end RB one guy he used to be. I, I think I've got him right at RB seventeen in my rankings. But you know, he's he's not really being pressed by anyone there. He doesn't have Tevin Coleman to share with now. Like Edo Smith is pretty much just a satellite back. So uh and it's a good offense. So I treat. You know, I'm, I generally got good vibes on him. Freeman could be a league winner if he stays healthy. Absolutely. The only question about him is is the injury tag. Next up, rookie running back with the Bears, David Montgomery as the running back 21. <sighs> Trick at that price. Like, I just think that's too expensive. And, like, I know Thor Nystrom, the Roto World draft guru who I had on my podcast before the draft, like, he loves him. He called him Batman because – he said Montgomery would run into this, you know, heavy traffic where there would be like five guys around him and you don't know how, but all of a sudden it was like, pow, bam, pat, and like four guys are on the ground and Montgomery's still on his feet. And, uh, yeah, like amazing balance through contact with that guy. But, you know, at most, I think he just inherits the Jordan Howard role, which could be profitable, but... They've got Tariq Cohen to handle the the satellite back work. They've got Mike Davis, who they invested in. And, um, you know, even though they were willing to basically give away Jordan Howard for, like, some Philly cheesesteaks and, uh, you know, Ryan Pace traded up to draft David Montgomery, although Ryan Pace has, you know, never been shy about trading draft capital to move up. I don't know. I just uh, RB21, a lot of things would have to go right for him to pay off on that. This next one is a huge one. The Tyreek Hill suspension or lack thereof is looming. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins as the wide receiver 25. He's available, Pat, in most half-point PPR leagues. End of the fifth round. Trick-or-treat on Sammy Watkins, wide receiver 25. Oh, Mike, it breaks my heart, but I got to say trick. Ooh. Like my, tr- my truth or status has been slowly melting away. And, you know, I, I love the offense that he's in, but Travis Kelsey is there. It's looking like maybe this Tyreek Hill suspension, if there even is one, isn't going to be as long as we initially thought. And, you know, there's the injury history. It's just end of the fifth seems just a tad aggressive for me. And, you know, I was even kind of eyeballing him and Scott Fishbowl in the sixth round. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I got to say trick at that price. People say with tight end, there's a clear cut sort of divide after those top Kelsey Ertz Kittle picks. And then there's, you know, a sort of divide to the bottom guys, but someone who's in the middle who can sort of go with either group Tight end O.J. Howard of the Bucks. Tight end four. He's going in the middle of round five. Trick or treat. Oh, God. I I got to say treats tentatively, but I heard you talk about him with Eric McClung last week, and I kind of have to agree with you. Like, I just can't pull the trigger on him in all these best ball drafts I'm doing. Like, I, I understand the possible value that he's this, like, really – terrific young athletic tight end playing in a potentially explosive passing offense you know even though yes Arians hasn't had tight ends really produced but he also hasn't had good tight ends so we can maybe throw that out it just seems t4 is a little aggressive for me he always seems to go a little earlier than i'd be willing to pull the trigger but i don't know there's a, a lot to like here so maybe it's a treat it's kind of like a uh, a three musketeers bar where it's not really what you wanted on your uh, Halloween trick-or-treating, but uh, you know, you're not going to egg someone's house over a Three Musketeers. You wish you had a Kit Kat or a Recess. You know, you're satisfied with the Three Musketeers. God, that is such a great comparison. Uh, my issue with Howard <laughs> is so good. My issue with Howard is everyone talks about Arians is there, Evans, Godwin, the offense is so good, and then they always end up with 
But Jameis Winston's got to be great, right? Well, here's my issue. Are we sure Jameis Winston is good? Right. That, that's my question. This is a guy in 2017. He had 32 interceptable passes as per player profiler, number two in the league. That was only in 13 games. Then last year in 11 games, 24 interceptable passes. So my concern with OJ Howard is being supported by a quarterback with multiple offensive weapons who I have a lot of questions about still. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And I'm, I, share some of your trepidation about Winston, man. I mean, he was just like, I was not touching him in the Scott fishball with the interception right, penalties. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, yeah, we, like we don't know if Winston is good. That's the thing. We know he's going to throw aggressively into traffic, exactly. which, you know, it, it's better for, I, I don't necessarily want Winston, but I don't mind investing in some of the receivers there. I just think I'd rather get, Godwin or Evans than than Howard at that price, just because I think he's being priced a little bit aggressively, just a, a smidge, but a little aggressively. I agree. Last one here, Kyler Murray. We talked about him before. He is flying up the draft boards. People are just assuming that he, even with the height issues and being a rookie and Kingsbury and the bad offensive line, he's just going to step in right now. He is going as a quarterback eight in the seventh round. Trick or treat on Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah, his his ADP has really gotten that high, hasn't it? Um, man, I liked him so much better when you could get him in best balls like QB 16. Yes, you know? yes. Um, I'll say treat, though, because I, I do think there's legitimate top five upside here. And, you know, if he doesn't pay off on a QB eight investment, I still think he could at least come pretty close to that um you know i i think that there's a lot to like in this offense i mean he's coming off one of the most efficient college quarterback seasons we've ever seen i think he's like second all time and actually surpassed baker mayfield the previous season and he runs he's got the konami code thing he's a, a fantastic runner not quite lamar jackson as a runner, but uh, not far off either. More than enough arm playing in this fast offense. Uh, there's really a lot to like here. So, like, I don't hate it at quarterback eights. I wish I could get him cheaper, but, you know, I'm still pretty enthusiastic. I got a dynasty question here, Pat. It, somebody here is stuck in running back uncertainty. They need to trade one. They got to make a move on their team and keep one. They're thinking of trading Marlon Mack for Aaron Jones and a third round 2020 rookie pick. So they can keep Marlon Mack or they can trade him and get Aaron Jones and a third round 2020 rookie pick. The question is, should they do the deal? So I guess this person is basically asking, who do you think has a better dynasty value? Because the third round 2020 pick is nice, but do you see Marlon Mack with Andrew Luck in that explosive offense, great offensive line, as really a guy who can give you five or six RB1 seasons? Or would you rather go, your Milwaukee guy, Aaron Jones, who for some reason has not caught on as the lead running back in Green Bay? He hasn't. Jamal Williams last year, they go back and forth. So would you stay with Mac, a young guy in Indianapolis, or would you tell him, make the trade, go with Jones and take the pick? It's funny, Mike. I have flip-flopped. Marlon Mack and Aaron Jones, like so many times in my rankings this offseason, like those are two guys I just cannot choose between. And I think I like Jones, his skill set a little more. I like Mack's situation maybe a little more just because he has that nasty offensive line in front of him that I just love. Whereas maybe like the, the Green Bay offensive line is a little more, a little more of a finesse pass blocking offensive line. Um, but man, there is just so little daylight between those two guys in, in terms of how I view them, both in redraft and dynasty. So I think if you can get a third round draft pick in a 2020 dynasty rookie draft, Mike, that, God, I'm going to have to take a cold shower just thinking about the 2020 class right now. I mean, there are guys, <laughs> I took, I think Andy Isabella, the last pick of a, 
first round uh, dynasty draft this year. Like Andy Isabella is a, a third round pick in next year's class if he comes out next year. You know, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Debo Samuel, I think, is kind of the same thing. This is just such a loaded draft class. I mean, unbelievable quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers coming out next year. So um, there are going to be really good players even in the third round. So I would take, uh, you know, if you could get Jones and a third rounder for Mac, I'd, I'd take it. That sounds good. I, I wish we could all predict the future. But the one thing I can predict the future on is no matter what draft you're in, whatever format, draft or auction that you use for your seasonal leagues, I guarantee to everyone listening that as soon as someone says Brandon Cooks, they either bring them up in auction or someone makes the pick, the very next name that will come up is Robert Woods. And it will be said immediately after. It's almost like, Pat, people forget about the Rams receivers because they're all close. And then someone always picks Cooks, who always comes first. And they go, oh, yeah, I got to get a piece of the Rams receiving game. And they say Woods right after. Cooks and Woods. Now, on the Rams, we have Cooper Cup towards ACL in Week 10. That means he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Looks like Josh Reynolds. Question that came in here. Is Cooks the true wide receiver one in L.A.? Is it Woods? When Cup returns, would you slide one ahead of the other? It's funny you talk about how close they always go together in drafts. I, I thought it was that way in my Scott Fishbowl draft, and I just checked. It was actually a whopping 10-spot yes. gap between the two of yes. them. But yes. it was Cooks first, and I do think that's correct. I mean, Cooks is just – the dude's been money in the bank, man. I mean, I think he's had four straight top 15 PPR seasons. So pretty much all but his rookie year, he has been a top 15 PVR guy. He's just a wide receiver one, and I always like the guys who can get the big play like he can. The the home run hitters, um, you know, he surprisingly consistent for that type of a receiver, though. Uh, he's playing in a good offense. I mean, he's just like money in the bank, and, and yet he's – like not drafted in wide receiver one range. You can usually get him around wide receiver 16 or so. That's it. And um, so, yeah. And, but I mean, that doesn't preclude uh, me or nor should it preclude anyone else from liking Woods who it's funny, man. You think back to his run in Buffalo where he was just like 600 yards every year. And, you know, granted it was Kyle Orton and, uh, Tyrod Taylor, who was doing, you know, quite a bit of running and, and not always so much passing, but it just seemed like Woods had sort of settled into that, you know, low volume third receiver role. And, you know, now he is a stud in his own right. Big year last year would have had big numbers in 2017 if he hadn't missed like four or five games. Um, so I, I kind of think that's right. I mean, I think Cook should go first. I think it should be Woods a little behind him. And, and then Cup, man, he would have it would have been interesting to sort out the three of them. But now I think with the ACL injury late in the season, I think it would be the height of injury optimism to continue to group Cup with his two teammates. I, I think he's farther down the totem pole now. You're right about the consistency. I looked at wide receiver one weeks each of the last two years. Brandon Cooks, five wide receiver one weeks in 2017, five wide receiver one weeks in 2018, Cup even in a limited slate, three and three, and Woods two and four. So they do produce, that's for sure. On July 4th, you put out a question on Twitter, who's the greatest American band of all time? It created a flurry of answers. Give the listeners your answer and your rationale. Oh, God, that was crazy. I I got like 700 responses or something to that. I was never anticipating that. It was just something like off the top of my head while I was sipping coffee in the morning. Um, For me, Mike, it is uh, the guys from Athens, Georgia, REM. Now, I know that's probably a minority opinion. I got a lot of Aerosmith and Pearl Jam and... uh, Bruce Springsteen and boy, Mike, I, I know it's not going to be a popular opinion uh, on the East Coast, but like I, I have just not been a Bruce Springsteen guy. Ooh, and I know this interview I know, just I've, ended, Pat. Oh, my goodness. I've, 
<laughs> I've got cousins in New York who would punch me in the throat if they heard me say that, Mike. But uh, no, for me, man, I, like it's REM. It's like they've got the hits. They've got the deep catalog. I think like their first five albums were all just, you know, one after another phenomenal albums. And then after that, like they had another three or four good ones. I, I didn't love some of their late era stuff, but I also don't think it like diminished their legacy the way late era stuff did with some other bands. I've seen them twice. They were phenomenal both times. You know, just professional musicians. I think Peter Buck is one of the all-time underrated guitarists. I got to ask how you would answer this, man, because I got like it's it's so different with English bands. Like you've always got this clear pantheon with the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, the Who, you know, and with us, man, I don't know if it's just that we have more sports to do here. Like the the British just pick up a guitar when they're young and, and, you know, we pick up tennis rackets and soccer balls and baseball bats. But you know, it, it seems like it's much more wide open with the uh, the best American band debate. Grateful Dead was another one I got a lot of. And, uh, you know, I, there's certainly a case there. But who would it be for you? For me, it's going to be Pearl Jam. That was my college years. I was still astonished that somebody didn't recognize Corn, which drove me nuts, by the way. <laughs> it made <me> ridiculous because <laughs> they're excellent also. Uh, you, you kick or all great ones. But yeah, for me, it's it's the emotion, right? And that's attached to Pearl Jam. Those are the memories. So, uh, But it's a great question. It got, it got viral fast. Oh, man, it did. And Corn had to be Mike Tagliere of Fantasy Pros. I yes. know he's a big Corn yes. guy, so it had to be Tags. <laughs> Staying on the East Coast, I have a question here from a Giant fan. And, you know, I blew this off until I looked at those wide receiver one weeks, and, and I'll get to that in a minute. The question is, am I crazy to think that Sterling Shepard has great late-round value? He's currently going redraft rounds eight and nine. He's a potential wide receiver, too, battling with Golden Tate, and there's no OBJ. Is he crazy or not crazy? Like, not crazy, like fair value, but maybe not great value. But I'm not entirely sure how to separate Shepard and Tate. Like, I think the gap for a lot of people in their rankings is, is wider than mine. I only have them like four apart. Cause I don't think we, like, do we even have a handle on who's going to play in the slot yet? Like, I want the slot guy, but I'm not sure it's automatically Shepard. Like, he, he was playing outside quite a bit I believe late last year and I don't know I just have this feeling like Tate might be the guy they don't want to move back outside since he really hasn't done it all that regularly for a few years um I don't know I guess they're kind of interchangeable and, and maybe the Giants play it that way but um plus you've got the Eli Manning problem and it is a problem at this stage in his career and and you know only 50% of the throws to Beckham last year were deemed on targets. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many games it's going to be Eli and how many games it's going to be Daniel Jones if, if they make the transition, start that this year. But, um, you know, I, I see him as like a, a wide receiver for a, a guy I certainly don't mind as a bench option, a guy you can throw in in bye weeks. But, Seeing him as some sort of like steal with thousand yard eight TD potential, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I, I think if he goes a little bit later and he was a wide receiver three, I, I if he was like my first bench wide receiver and I wanted to try to plug him as wide receiver three, I want to see how the year goes. He was in the slot a ton. I, I would I would say he was in the slot almost half the time. But Golden Tate is the slot master, so I agree. Let's see how it shakes out and go from there. And of course, I, I don't like the quarterback play, but I guess you know as a plug and play wide receiver three. But I, I don't know. I think around eight is way too early for me, and even around nine. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, like, not a guy you want to reach for, but he could possibly be a decent later round value. I have a bet with Mike Riggs of Gridiron Experts on Eagles QB Carson Wentz. We start going back on Twitter. I was down with the family at the beach this weekend. He's, he's irritating me as I'm trying to relax here. <laughs> You did a, a great video right up there on Carson Wentz for the player profile wrote of his draft kit that we have, of course. Over under, the question was top 10 fantasy QB end of the season, excluding week 17. It's not that I think Wentz won't have a solid year. 
I just can name a ton of quarterbacks I like better. You did the the so- summary on them. Where do you stand on Carson Wentz? All right, so I know where Riggs was on this, obviously, because he's a big Eagles fan. But, um, yeah, so I've got him right at QB10. And I think when I did that video, I had had him a little bit lower. And one of my reservations was that, you know, it – Earlier, before the injuries, he gave you a little bit of rushing value, too. And I don't know if he's going to give you that anymore after a major knee injury and uh, these back problems. But, boy, he does have pretty special arm talents. And he's got a terrific offensive line. And he's got just this bevy of weapons now with two really talented tight ends and Alshon Jeffrey. And now Deshaun Jackson's back in Philly. Um you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and, uh, you know, Aguilar's not terrible. So, I mean, with guys and where they finish in quarterback ranking, rankings, a lot of it's at the, the mercy of health. You know, they're going to be guys in the top 15 who miss a couple of games, and that drags down their overall finish. And, you know, is Wentz a worse bet to play 16 games because he's missed time in the last couple of years? I know, I guess that depends on your philosophy on injury agnosticism and uh but i think he is top 10 talent if i was going to handicap that bet i would probably say you guys are pretty close to even money i mean i've got him pegged just right around that you know 10 11 range so uh that's that's going to be an interesting one to follow i can't <laughs> i can't come down on either side real decisively that's what makes for a great bet Let's head to our lightning round, redraft lightning round here, Pat. So I'm going to give you a bunch of questions. Just give me top of your head, gut instinct, and a short rationale on who you like better. We'll start with wide receiver threes. Better wide receiver three, Kiki Kuti in Houston or Randall Cobb in Dallas? Oh, we got to go with Kiki because he is basically the young Randall Cobb. And uh, the old Randall Cobb has not been very satisfying, I guess. You know, he had that nice opener last year against the Bears for the Packers and you were thinking hey maybe Randall Cobb's back and then he didn't really do anything the rest of the way and battled injuries as has been the case uh I know Kiki is pretty brittle too which you know following in Cobb's footsteps but um he's definitely the more exciting player big gap between those two I think better wide receiver in Carolina DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel oh man DJ, but the ADP gap is too big right now. And I know Matt Harmon loves Curtis Samuel, and um, you know I like him a lot too. And I'm I'm still kind of as a Wisconsin Badger football fan. I'm still sort of haunted by DJ Moore's last college season and how he just got blanketed by Nick Nelson, who. Uh, I don't know if Nick Nelson is still with the Raiders or not, but like he was not an elite prospect, but he just shut down DJ Moore. Granted, I know Maryland had terrible quarterbacks, but I just like I'm not quite as enthusiastic about DJ Moore as some other people. I like Samuel. I'm still a little higher on Moore, but it's a, a narrower gap for me than it is for a lot of people. Quarterback, we talked about him before. Better QB this year, Jameis Winston or Ben Roethlisberger? No, man. Can I split this? Uh, Winston in one quarterback leagues because you could pull the plug more easily and, you know, find a, a waiver wire replacement if, as you mentioned, Mike, things really go south and they just get sick of his two interceptions a game. Um, but in a two quarterback super flex, I think I'd rather have been just because uh, a little bit more job security. And uh, even though I worry about the numbers dropping off post-Antonio Brown, um, I think he's a little bit more stable than Jameis, who's you know high upside but volatile. One of my favorite late-round QBs, Dak Prescott, over-under QB 10 finish in total fantasy points. Oh, man, he's another guy. So I've got him like just a little bit behind Went up. Uh, well, actually, I've got him quarterback 14. So, but man, he is in this tier of quarterbacks I have so close together. I really like him, but I would say um, outside top 10. Solve the 49ers running back roulette game. Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, or Jarek McKinnon? All right. So best percentage play, if we're talking equal cost, Tevin Coleman. But best pot odds 
I would take Matt Breida, I think, on the, uh, you know, the later ADP. I mean, Breida was really good last year when he was not <laughs> getting hurts and coming off the field and coming back on. I mean, he was efficient and versatile, and I really like what he could be. It's just such a messy backfield right now. So, um, you know, I, I would try to get a late-round bet down on Matt Burita as opposed to maybe a mid-round bet on Tevin. And last one for the lightning round. Interesting here. Derrick Henry versus Latavius Murray. You have Derrick Henry, who obviously I think is going to get more rushing yards. Latavius Murray is in a backfield with Alvin Kamara, but Breeze is fantastic throwing a running back. So in PPR and standard, who do you like better between Henry and Latavius Murray? Uh, I still got to go with Henry on this one. Mike, but I know, I know you're kind of a Henry fan and I think he's kind of a bear trap this year, man. Like I'm, I'm staying away from him. I just like, I can't forget that he was averaging less than 40 rushing yards a game going into December last year before he finally woke up and, you know, sprung those big games on a, well, a Jacksonville defense that pretty much just mailed it in nights. And, uh, you know, the giants and Washington, defenses that were pretty beaten down i don't know man he just i don't like that he doesn't really contribute in the passing game and that uh it took him until basically last december to really get his career jump started my issue with henry is either the titans are going to realize that they are an old school offense that should be centered around him or they're going to continue this facade of Deion Lewis, you know, going to recreate the last five-game magic with the Patriots. Either he's going to do what you said, which is totally bust with the 40 yards, or they're going to make him the focal point and be one of the few old-school offenses in the NFL. It's one or the other because the guy's a beast, but he is not a typical 2019 RB. He's not. Sure. And I – like, I wonder, can they coexist? Can it be him in that offense if it's Marcus Mariota, if they're not merely just trying to hide Marcus Mariota? And I'm kind of keeping a candle lit for Mariota. Uh, I sort of talked about this with uh, Blair Andrews and Hassan on um, their podcast the other day. Like, I I don't know, man. I, I think Mariota might still be okay. And if he is, like, are, are they going to go with this real run-heavy plan again? Like, they were, you know, it, it worked. It got him into the playoffs last year. Um, but I, I just don't see them being that way again for an entire season. So I'm a little scared of him. You know, I do like him more than Murray. I don't think Murray's going to suddenly become a real prolific pass catcher in New Orleans. But, yeah, man, I... Henry's not a terrible bet if you can get him later. I just think he's going too high right now. All right, last question here, Pat, then I'll get you out of here. Can't thank you enough for all the insight and incredible knowledge you dropped on us about both Milwaukee, rock and roll, and fantasy football. (laughs) My last question is going to be on Russell Wilson. I call it the Russell Wilson enigma. Every year it feels like Wilson is hovering around QB 12 to QB 15 after like the first 10 weeks, and then he goes Tasmanian devil crazy, makes everyone remember how great he is as a fantasy QB. In 2017, he led the NFL in passing TDs with 34, with 17 of those coming in week 10 or after with just two interceptions. He's a 30-year-old quarterback, just signed a $140 million deal. Is this the year where the Seahawks finally unlock Russell Wilson for the entire season? Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. And you're probably not going to get an unbiased answer from me because I am a Wisconsin graduate and uh you know i still worship the ground that russ walks on and yeah does this uh crazy run pass split stick for them is the question i guess i mean i feel like there should be at least some sort of dead cat bounce on pass volume for them but it does seem like they are really built to run with uh, you know, not one, but two really capable running backs and, uh, an offensive coordinator that is, you know, clearly dedicated to running the ball. Um, but Russ is so talented and 
if there is a dead cat bounce or better on pass volume, I mean, he could smash on ADP. And he's one of those guys I think like people get discouraged on maybe partly because of that. And um, I don't know. They aren't going to be real excited about the weapons post Baldwin. Um, but, you know, Lockett is – a very good weapon and you know maybe dk metcalf comes through and even if he doesn't like david moore has some promise maybe gary jennings can give it give them something in his rookie year i i don't know man i'm torn on this but like on blind faith because i do think russ is talented as hell i've got him at quarterback six and like i i feel like he's just too good not to finish top 10 if he stays healthy all year and that's the key is they they like to run we know that but it's interesting his rushing yards have gone down you know precipitously here this is a guy who used to be rushing back in 2014 849 rushing yards then he went to 553 259 so he had 586 in 2017 then only 376 last year so they're gonna have to throw more but the guy's uber efficient i mean if you ask 10 people i bet they don't realize that he led the league in passing touchdowns in 2017 yeah man i mean and just every year it's like that and the dude just gets it done yeah like two straight years of really boosting his uh, touchdown output after the kind of disappointing, I think he only had, what, 20 or 21 in 2016. Um, You know, and also a guy who doesn't throw many interceptions, uh, a guy who potentially, you know, could. We can't expect a guy to run more as he gets into his 30s, but, I mean, he still does add some value with his legs and didn't have any rushing touchdowns last year. and That was the first time that happened in his career. So you got to think he's going to get at least one or two this year. So I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic about the guy. And, uh, you know, if he slips to, like, QB8, QB9, I think you're getting pretty good value there. Well, talk about getting it done, folks. Pat Fitzmaurice gets it done. Follow him on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Fitz on Fantasy Podcast. Got to listen to it. Does an outstanding job. Read all his stuff, footballgirl.com. Pat, one of the best out there, no doubt about it. You gave us so much analysis, so much in-depth stuff. I can throw anything at you, man. You you, you got your head on a swivel like a left tackle. You're amazing. <laughs> Great job. We love having you on the mailbag, and, uh, and we'll catch up with you during the season. But thanks so much. Mike, thanks so much for having me, man. Have a great summer. You too, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us by email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.